0: This is the Jeff Merrick Show on the Sportsnet Radio Network.
1: And this is the latest news. Taylor Hall, the Chicago Blackhawks out for the remainder of the season. He will have surgery on his right knee. Certainly awful news for Taylor Hall. In one sense, it's bad news for the Chicago Blackhawks. In another sense, it's not. We'll get into that with Elliot Friedman coming up here in a couple of moments from thirty-two thoughts in hockey night in Canada. Eric Francis will drop by at the bottom of the hour. Uh, we'll talk about a lifeless effort uh, by the Calgary Flames last night against the Nashville Predators, but give it to the Preds too um, for you know for for sticking it to Calgary the way that they did. Specifically, Ryan O'Reilly and Uso Parsonen, uh, who's a name that I think we should all start to get familiar with. Uh, over the next couple of seasons, um, certainly expected to pop more than he already has. Um, Scott Lachlan stops by at the top of Hour 2 from uh, NHL Network Radio. Matt Marchese and I will go through the um, the question of the day coming up in Hour 2 as well. As we have this thanks- U.S. Thanksgiving pause. And happy Thanksgiving to our, our great neighbor stateside. Um, there are no games around the NHL tonight, as we all know. The second time this week, bagel. NHL never plays games on Thanksgiving anyway. Um, so we'll talk about the best storyline going in the NHL right now as we approach the quarter mark, uh, which is, you know, barring any games being postponed, uh, the Toronto-Florida game next week. That was the that will be the official quarter mark uh, of the season. Uh, so that's your show today and a lot of news in between. And a lot of it's going to revolve around a couple of things here. One... I hate to do it to you again, but here we go. It still is the biggest story, and that is the Edmonton Oilers. And whether you're watching because you're an Oilers fan or whether you're watching because you like car crashes, there were a lot of eyeballs on the Edmonton Oilers-Carolina Hurricanes game last night. And this one was over early. You might even make the argument that this one was over in warm-up. Whether it's Stuart Skinner sliding into Carolina's zone before the game, or Darnell Nurse taking one between the lookers in warm-up, where he wasn't wearing a helmet, uh, there was just a bad omen. But even before the game began yesterday, six to three is the final score. But I mean, this thing is two nothing faster than you can say Jack the Bear. Then it's three nothing. Then it's four nothing. And Zach Hyman's trying to make this thing respectable, and the Edmonton Oilers try to claw their way back, only for Brent Burns to ice it with an empty netter. The cutaway shots to Connor McDavid are certainly revealing. There is an anger, there is a frustration, there is a angst uh, every time you look at Connor McDavid right now. Whether it's on the ice, whether it's on the bench, whether it's in post-game scrums, he has as great a hockey player as Connor McDavid is. He must be an awful poker player. You can tell exactly what Connor McDavid is thinking at every single moment. Now, it's pretty easy to tell what he's thinking right now considering the situation the Edmonton Oilers find themselves in. And as we continue to say, I think the Oilers will still be okay. We think the Oilers can still turn things around. You know, one of the questions that I wondered about yesterday is: Stuart Skinner gets yanked and in comes Calvin Pickard, one of the things that I'm wondering about now, like let's not lose sight of the fact here that Stuart Skinner is a second-year goaltender. And as much as I've talked about Devin Levi and the Buffalo Sabres, and again, another tough one uh, for Levi last night against a really good Washington Capitals team, maybe we should park some time and talk about Stuart Skinner and what happens here with the Edmonton Oilers. Elliot's reported numerous times in numerous places that they're looking for a goaltender, but they don't want to get fleeced in a deal. But is one of the sidebar questions to all of this... We understand that, but you're doing some damage to Stuart Skinner at this point, who's still only a second-year NHLer. Elliot joins me now from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada. Elliot, wanna, before we get to Taylor Hall and what this is going to mean for the, the Blackhawks, and the news isn't good for Taylor Hall, knee surgery, his season is over. Um, about the game last night, Carolina wins 6-3, to and one of the hot-button stories coming out of it is Stuart Skinner gets the hook in favor of, uh, of Calvin Pickard, who comes in is there a concern that as much as the Oilers don't want to rush a deal, they don't want to get fleeced, they don't want to overpay, is there a concern that they might be doing some damage here to Stuart Skinner? I couldn't help but think that watching him exit in the first period.
0: Uh, um, I, I like. I mean, it's a, uh, I don't even know kind of where to go. I was thinking about that while you were saying, it. I heard you while I was on hold and, um, you know, I, like, I understand where you're going with this, Merrick, but it's almost like how many holes can you try to plug at once?
1: I understand that, and there's a lot of them, and the blue line's a major issue, and whatever is ailing Connor McDavid is an issue, and whatever is ailing Matthias Ekholm is an issue as well, and trying to learn how to play a more defensive system is an issue as well. I I just look at this situation specifically, and we're saying, okay, if Edmonton's going to make a deal for a goaltender, it has to be for a goaltender who's better than they have right now. And again, maybe I'm just putting too much into this one game from last night, but it really is over the course of this season as well where neither Stuart Skinner nor Jack Campbell you know, remind us anywhere of Grant Fuhr and Andy Moe. Like, I just can't help but wondering here: Does it need to be someone that's better than Skinner? Like, is there not sort of an investment in the future you're still making with Skinner here, considering he's just, you know, one—not even a year removed from getting called the trophy votes?
0: Yeah, you, you know, like, like again, I understand what you're saying here, Merrick. Like, this isn't one of your worst comments, which is really saying something. Thanks. But, but. You know, at some point in time, you, you know, you, you, you have to say, like, we can't do everything at once. You know, we can't worry about, like, you've already got Campbell in the minors. And unless you're saying you're going to send Skinner down, you're going to bring Campbell back up, I, I just don't know what you can really do about it. Like, at some point in time, well, yeah, look, you have look, to say, look, look, well, hold on. Yeah. At some point in time, you yeah. have to say, hey, like, we need you to grind your way through this. Um, you know we need you to, and and you can say to him look Stuart like last night that was bad but were, those goals a lot of those goals weren't on him like there were plays like the back door wasn't covered you know there were turnovers like I, I don't look at that and say you know you, you, like, and, and you've got to say to him like Stu like these aren't all on you, and we need you to battle because we're really down. And that's the way, unless you're going to send him down and bring Campbell back up, I, I don't know what else I would do in this situation. The,
1: the the one thing that I was thinking about coming off of that game, and I think like a lot of us, LA, you you probably did the same thing that I did and thought about, okay, what does Edmonton do now? And you know, how do we feel about all these players on this team? Um, one of my thoughts was, if... Stuart Skinner weren't a goaltender, but Stuart Skinner was a second-year defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers who doesn't mm-hmm. require waivers to get sent down mm-hmm. what, and, and was performing at that same level that Skinner is at right now, which happens to young hockey players. There's no shame in that. This is, NHL is a tough league. But if he yep. were a defenseman, do you think not that by now he would have been sent down to Bakersfield? Yeah, you, you
0: know what? Maybe Jeff, but um, you know, there, like th- this is why it's difficult to to view the world in black and white because there's always shades of gray. Like, you know, the the thing is, like, you have seven or eight other defensemen you can choose from, right? The circumstances are mm-hmm. different in goal, and they're different in goal right now. Like, I, at some point in time, you have to say to people, you have to power through it. And, you know, this is one of those times with Skinner again, unless you're going to bring Campbell back up. Well, there's two other ways out of it. You either have a trade, and the Oilers have made it very clear that while they're looking, they're not going to make a panic trade. Like, their number one choice here was Campbell goes to the American Hockey League, rediscovers his game, and they bring him back up. That was their number one choice. Now, he started very poorly, he had a shutout the other night against Henderson. So you're hoping he, he builds up some momentum. Uh, but that's your number one choice. So unless you're saying to me that you're going to do that right now, you have to say to Skinner, you know what? We need you to grind through this. We need you right now. And we need you to grind through this. And sometimes you have to say to somebody, and you always have to remember when someone does it for you, to say, forget the numbers, forget what's going yeah. on around you. It's not all your fault, but we need you to battle through, battle through.
1: It's an interesting. This word, is one panic, of those too, times because this is one yeah. of those. Times. No, I listen. I I, I understand that too. Um, I, I do wonder at what point, if you're the Oilers, you do start to panic. I mean, fans have clearly started oh. panicking. Obviously right? Everyone started panicking. And I know the, the, the Oilers don't want to be rushed and don't want to be rushed into making a move when they're in a panic situation. But at a certain point, like there has to be like when you're, when you're Jeff Jackson or you're Ken Holland or whomever, and you're looking at the schedule, do you not say, okay, if it doesn't turn around by this date, then we do need to panic and we do need to start making hail Mary passes and panic moves and deals no. that we otherwise wouldn't necessarily want to make but the seasons like the kid in the at the zoo with the balloon and it's gone and grabbing for it and it's not coming back like this it, it could happen like we talked really about like how crucial this two weeks is for the Edmonton Oilers <laughs> it might. It, you know, it's funny too because that 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 analogy is always stuck in my head. I wonder if it happened to me when I was a kid. Maybe I was that kid at the at the zoo who lost his balloon. But it's always stuck. We we
0: are going way off on a tangent here. But did you ever see as a kid the movie about the red balloon that flies away?
1: I don't think so. No.
0: It was it was a short film. I think it was black and white. The only thing that was in color was the red balloon. I, I balloon? so I'm thinking about this. Okay. So anyway um so so anyway look jeff like i mean you're right like it is panic time in edmonton there's no question there's one thing going on here we'll talk about in a second but and i do think i do think there are times you have to make trades in a position of weakness but there always has to be a limit there always has to be a limit there have to be times you can say you know what we're not we're, there, there, there's a red line that we're not going to cross. And, you know, I just think that happens. I, I think, do I believe that Edmonton's willing to make a trade that is maybe not, maybe not ideal? Yes, I do. Do I think Edmonton's got a line that says, this is what we're willing to accept and this is what we're not? 100% I do. Like You take a look at that deal that Montreal made for Sean Monahan, right? Like they yep. and and we know that Montreal is one of the teams that Edmonton is has has scouted, and I believe and I think they've talked to them. Well, you look at the deal that Montreal made for Monaghan, and they they got a high pick out of it. And so you know that if you're going to the poker table with Ken Hughes, and he's got the that better chip stack than you do. And you're in the disadvantageous position. You know what he's going to do to you. So, oh yeah, like that—that's the kind of thing. Like, like I to say. Like, I've been listening to a lot of John Davidson stuff in the last couple of days. He's done some interviews on print. And he's done some interviews yep. on radio. And, and I'm watching what he's doing. And one of the things he's talking about is we're not going to trade our way out of this right now. Because he's thinking the same thing. Like they want a center. They're looking for people. And, but he knows that right now they're not in a position of strength. So he's mm-hmm. like, the, the one thing I've kind of wondered about in, in Columbus is they get to a point where they go to some of their veterans and say, you know, is there a situation you think would be better for you? But they had a really good night last night and you hope it just stops the bleeding and they build something on it. But I think he's saying the same yeah. thing Edmonton is like, there's a line that it won't cross. Now, by the way, at the, Christmas party the other night. There mm-hmm. was a producer and an on-air person. I don't want to say their names, except I'll give a hint. They're the worst producer okay. and the worst on-air person at Sportsnet. So you can decide who that is. They had a bet.
1: <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay.
0: They, they had a bet. Plus or minus 90 points to make the playoffs in the West
1: plus but i always default to plus i do too
0: but they but there is there is one, one of them that that it'll take less than 90 right now the kraken have the they have the second class spot in the West, and their points percentage is right at 500 mm-hmm. i forgot to check who was below yeah, them, I don't but t- it's all around there
1: well if it is if it's if it's if it's minus that, then that's good news for the Edmonton Oilers. But There's the one thing that I keep coming back are, to it, too is but
0: still like even then Edmonton has to go on a huge pace.
1: Okay. Uh let me get to a couple more things here. We'll we'll do more on Edmonton on the podcast. It'll come out tomorrow. I don't want to turn this into Oilers now. Um for the entire half hour that I'm with you. Yeah, but, uh, we'll sue do more you on the podcast. I know, trademark Bob Stauffer. Trademark Bob Stauffer. I always gotta say, trademark Bob Stauffer. Um, Taylor Hall and the knee injury—it's gonna cost him his season. So that's bad news, certainly for him. And we wish him a speedy recovery. And that's like that just flat out awful for the player. Um, not great for the Blackhawks in one sense, and that sense is you want to surround Connor Bedard with as many veteran players as possible, whether it's Taylor Hall or whether it is a interestingly scratched Corey Perry. We'll see if we get yeah. to that over the course of this conversation. But the one thing that I do wonder now as teams complain about not being able to make moves everyone's capped. We don't have any room. It's, it's like you, know, you, you can't make a move. It's not like shooting fish in a barrel. It's like shooting fish in a barrel full of Vaseline. Everyone's frozen. Everyone's stuck. You can't do anything right now. You know, all of a sudden, the Chicago Blackhawks are going to have even more cap space than before, and they're only at 42 contracts. Yeah, you know, You've talked about this a lot, and that is the third team facilitating trades. Yep. I don't know that I want to go as far as saying, can Chicago kind of play kingmaker here uh, this season with teams that are in it by being essentially a, a staging post for for bad contracts? But can the Chicago Blackhawks now play... Kingmaker, when you talked about negotiating for a position of strength and Ken Hughes picking up first-round draft picks, et cetera. You know, you're the Chicago Blackhawks now, and you've met this news about Taylor Hall. What now if you're Chicago? Are you all of a sudden open for business? We'll take your bad deals. We'll also take your prospects and your picks.
0: You know, I, I actually had reached out to them last night about Hall. There were some rumors going around that, that this was going to happen. I'm, I'm sorry to see it. Like, uh... I know, I know he was excited to play with Bedard this year, and that was kind of the goal. So, um, you know, I, I'm yeah. just, unfortunately, for all uh, uh, they feel that uh, this has happened to him. Um, you well, know, the one thing about the Blackhawks is they were very public about the fact that uh, last year that they weren't just going to be taking bad contracts anymore unless it was really made worthwhile to them. That they kind of like Arizona stopped doing it. They said, "Okay, we want to contend. We want to try to win some games," and and so we're gonna we're gonna go that way. And Chicago, I mean, obviously their position is different. They're just at the bottom and they're trying to start to crawl their way out of it a little bit. But I think they also had sent a note, a message that they were like, you know what we're not we're not going to be a dumping ground anymore." Now, that doesn't mean that you know you you don't take a look at whatever opportunities are. Are there for you, but I'm just wondering if they're gonna take like a facilitator to make a deal where it's really not that painful for them. Yeah, but I'm not so sure they're gonna want to take the bad, the big time contracts anymore. Anyway. So I, I think it just depends on what you're asking. Like if to get a deal done, yes, to take a contract they really don't like, I'm not so sure they're thrilled about that idea anymore.
1: Okay, we'll uh, we'll see where that one heads. You did mention um, the Columbus Anaheim Blue Jackets and John Davidson those. a couple of moments ago. Anaheim, will you think Anaheim could be that could be that staging post?
0: I, I again, you are going to have to pay them, but you know they've yeah. shown not a lot of fear though.
1: Um, Chicago-Columbus yesterday, we were watching for a couple of reasons. One, actually, let's, let's give Elliot a buzz back. It's kind of windy where he is right now as we're doing the, uh, the, the walk with Elliot at this point. Um, I, I do want to ask about the Columbus Blue Jackets. And as much as we were watching the Columbus-Chicago game yesterday and you know, curious about Conor Bedard, and yes, he scored again on a gorgeous shot. Just another beautiful shot by Conor Bedard. I think the sidebar to all of this, as much as we were looking at Bedard and Fantilli, you know, the sidebar was, how's Patrick Line going to perform? And is Patrick Line going to "quote unquote" do anything in the game? And he did score a goal. It was a gorgeous setup by Adam Fantilli, who just continues to impress. That kid is so awesome. That uh, that kid is so fantastic. Um, that is a real treat for the Columbus Blue Jackets. Um, but Line finds the back of the net, and he plays on the wing on Adam Fantilli's side on Adam Fantilli's line. And you wonder and slash hope whether that'll start to help turn around the season, not just for Patrick Linea, but for the Blue Jackets as well. Um, Freed, your, your thoughts on what we saw in the Columbus-Chicago game. Like, it was a blowout. It was a blowout early. And I think we were all wondering, as much as we were marveling at Bedard scoring again and Adam Fantilli and what he was able to do as he does each and every game, but would Patrick Linea do something? He did. He scored. It was a beautiful setup by Adam Fantilli. Um, yep. Although, as, as one person texted to me right away, man, Line A must be really down. He didn't even smile after he scored. Uh, your thoughts on what we saw in Columbus, Chicago yesterday?
0: Well, first of all, I think a lot of good things happened, obviously, for Columbus. <coughs> Wierenski got four assists. Uh, I saw the, the line, Goodrow, Jenner, and Marchenko, uh, they outscored Chicago 3-0 when they were on the ice. Um, as you said, you know, fantilli Linea looked it up. They, they haven't played a ton this year. I think they only played about 30 minutes five-on-five five, uh, before uh, this season, get, before that game last night together. And it hadn't gone very well. But they, you know, statistically, they had the advantage last night and, and they scored. And with Linea, like, his entire existence is scoring. So if he's going to do it, you're going to be happy with it. I mean, for a night, it's yeah. it's a lot better. There, there's no question. Um, I, I just think the whole Columbus thing is really interesting. I'm, I'm glad they had a good night. Um, you I want to see people do well. Um, I, I just wonder where this is going. You know, I, I, I don't like to be a broken record. You know what I've said to you many times that my concern is is that they've tried this a couple times and it's not working. Um, and, and yeah. you know, now the thing is, like, I just wonder where it goes. Like, watching Lani's reaction, and to be honest, I- I'm not surprised by his reaction. And I also wasn't surprised wow. by Pascal Vincent's reaction. Like, to me, it- it's very obvious here that they're really unhappy with Line's play. And, um, and-, and Vincent, um, who knows Lani because he was with him in Winnipeg, uh, it- it- it's, it's yeah. clear to me that Vincent isn't happy that Lonnie doesn't understand why he was benched, and you know, so I was talking about this yesterday with some agents and some other teams. Like, what do you think here? What do you see? And you know, the one thing that they all said to me was, you know, sometimes you go down a path where you eventually say to a player, like, "What do you want us to do here? Um, you know, you're you're not playing well. Um, we've tried you at wing. We've tried you at center." Because I said on the pod this week, I think they have to end the center experiment, and he was back on the wing last night. But at some point in time, you wonder, okay, is there a conversation between team and player about, is there something you think is better for you? But also letting them know that, like, if you really do want to get traded, and Laine wasn't really hiding his feelings, you have to play a lot better. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I mean, you
1: do, and well, that's it. We'll see where that one goes. Uh, a couple more things to get into here. One, uh, Vancouver, Colorado, last night, went into this one thinking, okay, it's going to be either this one or maybe Vegas and Dallas that ends up being the game of the night. It was Quinn Hughes versus Kale McCarr. McCarr comes out, one goal, one assist. Uh, Quinn uh, with with the one assist. Natchushkin um, with a pair of points in this one. Um, to, to, to me, in, in a lot of ways, the, the bottom six of the Colorado Avalanche that uh, Ross Colton, Miles Wood, and Riley Tufte, who's in for Logan O'Connor, uh, was real good. The fourth line, which is the, uh, I guess we can call it the Dallas Stars line, Cogliano, Olafson, and Kivaranta uh, were good again as well. But one thing I wonder about with Colorado, Elliot, is what are they doing with the second line? And you've talked about them looking for another goal scorer, you know, how aggressive, Jonathan Duran, by the way, was really good last night, but yeah. how aggressive do you think Colorado is going to be looking for another scorer?
0: I think they're going to be, I think they're starting to look around. Um, I, I think they're going to, I just think they look at it and say, look, if you're going to beat Vegas and that's the team in the Western Conference, that's the team you have to sort of build your roster to compete against, you have to be deep." And I just think they feel they're... Yeah. I mean, look, I, I, like, they scored six goals in 27 minutes against Dallas the other night, a really good team. They scored 14 goals in their last three games, although I know there was an empty matter last night. Um, like, yeah. they can score. I just think they're worried that it's, it's too much from too few people. So they're looking. I have to say, by the way, I was watching mm-hmm. that game last night. Have you ever seen a situation... Yeah. Where a team gets called for a major penalty, and the other team doesn't get a minute <laughs> of power play time through it.
1: Yeah, that was a bizarre one. There were a few bizarre like, things like from that, last
0: That night. was like Henry like, Henry David Thoreau's civil disobedience, I thought, from like <laughs> the officials.
1: <laughs> There, there was a few, like, uh, honestly, like, that was, a, that was a really bizarre, like, first of all, the Jack Eichel uh, overtime goal against Dallas was a flat-out weird one, um, but I don't think there's anything as weird, and I'm going to get it, I'll ask Eric Francis about this at the bottom of the hour, the, 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 the voodoo stick of Dylan Dubey uh, in that Calgary Flames National Predators game where he slides into the boards, his stick goes in, he skates off, and the stick follows him. Like it's a like it's a lost puppy following Dylan Dubé. I I I can't understand how that happened. Why that happened? It's the weirdest visual that I've seen in hockey in quite some time. Maybe the weirdest visual I've ever seen in hockey. Like is the go is it like a ghost stick? Is uh, is it a phantom stick? Is the rink possessed? Is the stick possessed? I guess one of the weirdest things for anyone that wants to know I mean, what I'm talking I look about, I Brian to Costello put it out. Segment and dissertation no, 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 no. about this. I'll, I'll I'll, save that for the podcast later on just so I can hear your eyeballs roll in the oh, back of your head. My but God. that was, in a lot of ways, a, a really, really weird night uh, around the NHL. A couple of quick hitters before I let you go here um, Boston Bruins, Florida Panthers. Uh, real good game. Uh, Boston Bruins uh, establishing do- dominance. Not exactly a surprise that various Panthers players went after Charlie McAvoy, going back to the Oliver ekman nope. Larson situation nonetheless. Um, John Beecher, uh, his dad gets to sit with Bobby Orr. Uh, John Beecher Hi. scores. Uh, Jake DeBrusque scores. Jake DeBrusque and Louis DeBrusque do a nice little interview afterwards, which we'll play later on in the program. Um Gadjevic and Forbert have another have a throwdown. Gadgevik's been fighting a lot lately. Your thoughts on yes, Boston has. and Florida right now. One and two in the Atlantic.
0: Well, first of all, Louis's not gonna have a job. Jamal Mayer's doing very well on color, I have to say. He uh, is too. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Uh you know, I, I the, the Bruins, it's it's really amazing if you think about it. Um uh, they their goaltending is on an unbelievable heater. I was looking at this today, League, league save percentage 902, uh, swingman at 9:33, mm-hmm. all market at 9:32, um, so they're getting hugely outstanding Uh But I think they also play really smart. Everybody knows where they're supposed to be, very disciplined in their system. Uh, nobody tries to do too much. Um, you know, I, I, what, what creates hate, Jeff, it's the playoffs. And playoffs. yes, the McAvoy thing was a factor. There's no question about that. But what creates hate is the playoffs and there was legitimate hate between these two teams um after last year. It was uh that was a re- there were a lot of real good games last night. Like that was a real good game. The yeah. Vancouver game I really liked a lot. Even though, you know, Colorado pulled away at the end. You know, I just loved I loved the way the Canucks battled. They they really took a physical punishment in that game. Guys were getting hurt. But you know, I, I thought the Canucks battled until right at the end. I, I even though they lost, I liked that. I, I liked how they battled in that one. There were a lot of uh, the Vancouver. I mean, the uh, Vegas Dallas game was really good. There was a lot of good, a lot of good hockey last night. It was really, and as you mentioned, Florida Boston was, was a really good game too.
1: And in that Buffalo Sabres-Washington Capitals game, we saw a couple of players score their first career NHL goal. Which one was nicer, uh, Benson or Alexiev? Oh, I, I, the Alexiev one was good, but <laughs> how, how can you argue with the through the legs huh? I can't believe it took you that long to answer. <laughs> the Benson was yeah, gorgeous. I was, I, I was like, what? Uh, no,
0: the Benson goal <laughs> was absolutely beautiful, right, through, And and I have to say this. I I think there's been some real debate about how long to keep them around. Like, are, you know, are they really, you know, is is this really the right thing? Um, But, uh, you know, obviously that goal last night is going to play on a few more games.
1: Well, I mean that was game number nine, right? For uh, for, yep. for Zach Benson, and yeah, the, for just all of our listeners and viewers, know like the decision is: does he stick with the Buffalo Sabers, or does he go to uh, Wenatchee of the Western Hockey League? And I would imagine if he does end up going back, uh, would probably be traded uh, at some point uh, to someone who's uh, going to well. I Western think
0: Hockey it's funny you mention but... that, Jeff. Was I was I was talking about that with someone, and I do think the whole situation in Wenatchee has been an issue, and I understand that from yep. Buffalo's point of view. I do. Um, the other thing too is I have to say this. There are teams that worry more about the 40th game than they do about the 10th. I do get more and more teams Agreed. that tell me they don't worry about the 10 game slide but if you get the 40 that's when you gain a season towards free agency and that's the one that teams look at more than they look at the 10. So I, don't, I tend not to worry about the 10 as much as um, as, as I did in the past because it's just the way people seem to perceive it.
1: You know this, Elliot. Like right now, there's much more of a vibe around, you know what, we don't mind burning off the first year because that mm-hmm. just means that the counting numbers aren't going to be as substantial when it comes time to the second contract. It's yes, actually team favorable. I mean, we used, yeah. we, we used to look at that and go, like, that's advantage player. Hold on a second. You know, burning off that first year as advantage player. Actually, it's advantage team. It's advantage mm-hmm. team for the second contract. Uh, okay, I'll talk to you in a couple hours. we we'll do another podcast, and uh, I'll try to convince you about Stuart Skinner. But we'll see where, we'll see where that goes. <laughs> All right, buddy. Take care. There he is. Elliot Friedman from 32 Thoughts and Hockey Night in Canada.